0: We're going to be in First Samuel 14 this morning, and as we talk about what it means to be a radical disciple, I know that uh, you probably think, well, if we're going to really learn what it is to be a disciple, we ought to talk about the disciples, and we should be in the New Testament. Uh, but as I was reading, and I, I always usually have some sort of book going, and I'm reading a, in a book, uh, all in. And one of the chapters talks about this particular story. And as I was reading this chapter, I read it a few weeks ago, and as I was reading it, it came to my mind that as disciples, as real disciples of Christ, there is a time in our lives, and there'll be more than one time, where we make decisions that have long, long-term effects And if we're ever going to be exactly what God would be as a disciple, we have to have, at one time, we have to make a decision where we say, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do what Jesus would have me to do. And I'm not going to deviate, but I'm going to be what God has called me to be. And if we are ever going to be what God has called us to be, we have to have these moments in time where we say, today... I'm making this choice and I'm going to do this. And so this morning as we were in Samuel, there's, there was a day when, when Jonathan made a decision and the Lord blessed it. And, and God began to move through one man's decision. And I want you to understand this morning that, that the decisions you make spread out and have big effects on others. And I believe that God is calling us as a church to have folks that make decisions say, I'm going to follow Christ. And I believe if we really would, if we really would say, I'm going to follow Christ with all that is in me and have and I'm going to do everything He wants me to do, I believe it would have a ripple effect on our community and our schools and everything we do. But we have to make the choice that I will not be a spectator, but I am going to get involved. I'm not going to sit in my pew on Sunday morning and just come and enjoy and listen and watch and sit in my Sunday school class or sit in my Wednesday night class. I'm not just going to come and, and, and look and watch and, and sing and, and do those things. And I know this is a dangerous sermon to preach because some of you are just visiting and, and, you th- and I, I understand that. But we are not called to be Spectators. The disciples did not watch. The disciples lived Christ. And that's what we're called to. And so I want us to stand this morning as we go to the Word. We're going to read this reading we read before we read the Scripture. It's out of Psalms, and it talks about how we are uh, to come and and, uh, come to the Bible. Do we have that thing this morning? I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you, Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. As we go to the scripture, it starts first verse in chapter 14, 1 Samuel. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, and Saul was the king, said to the young man bearing his armor, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migran. With him, there were 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub. his son of Phineas and the son, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, no one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. And so I want you to see kind of the picture here. One was called Bozaz and the other Sene. On one cliff stood to the north toward Mishmash, Michmash, and the other to the south toward Gibba. Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And I want you to remember that part today. Perhaps the Lord will act on my behalf. Jonathan said, Come then. We will cross over toward the men and let them see us. And you have to understand this is kind of, this is an outpost. They're guarding the border here. And so they've placed themselves on a high point and they're watching to see if Israel's trying to do anything and so that they can tell their armies to get ready. And so it's, it's a lookout is what it is. And so if you're the enemy, you don't want to be seen. And Jonathan says, come, let's cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, We will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because it will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they are hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we're going to teach you a lesson. And I imagine it was probably harsher than that but that's what they were saying and that's what you would say there's two guys down there the enemy there's nobody else around hey won't you come up here I got something to show you I'm going to teach you a lesson I'm going to take you to school is what they're saying Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet and his armor bearer right behind him he was a good guy wasn't he I'm right behind you the whole way right behind him This is one of my favorite parts of the story. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outpost and raiding parties and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Jonathan, this is what I think's going down. Jonathan's just walking and guys are falling down in front of him and the armor bearer guys just clubbing them or sticking them or whatever, cutting their heads off as it goes along. But God's going before him. God's working and God wants to do that. And I think God wants to do that today in, in the life of the church and he's seeking for people to make a decision that says, I'm going to go and see if God's going to work in my behalf. Let's pray this morning. Father, today, you know what your message is today. And God, I just pray that your word would speak into our hearts today. Father, I believe that on this day, the 14th of August, 2016, you seek for someone, more than one, to make a decision today that would last the rest of their life. I am all in for Jesus. And Father, today, I pray that you would begin right now speaking into folks' hearts, bring conviction, bring faith into their life today, that they can do what you're calling them to do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. What does it take to be a disciple? What is it that keeps most people from becoming a real disciple of Christ? I think the thing that keeps most people from doing something is just doing it. It's just, I'm going to do this thing. I think most people, I think a lot of people have a desire to be what God wants them to be. But when it comes down to, am I going to do this? They just will not do it. They just will not make the choice and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Today, I'm going to make this choice and I'm going to do what Jesus would have me to do. I'm going to be a true disciple of Christ. And it just comes down to that they will not say, okay, I am going to do this. I want you to think about in your life, in your life there are times when you make choices where you just have to jump in and say, okay, I'm going to do this. I am not turning back. I'm going to do this. There's lots of big decisions you make in your life. And there's always times when someone's trying to sell you something like that, a big ticket item. You're you're buying a house or something like that. And, and you are trying to think, is this really what I'm going to do? Because if I do, I'm going to be locked into this thing for a while. And it's going to be a commitment. Am I going to do this? And if you ever go and have a car salesman talk to you, they're always like, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And you're sitting there and you're like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then you come come to the place and you say, okay, I'm in, I'm going to do this. I remember these things when I bought my house, when I bought uh, cars or things like that. I remember in 1984, it was just before the, the last championship night of the Forsyth tournament. I asked a girl that was in my senior class if I could sit by her on the way home from that tournament game. I married her. But I remember that day I was thinking about it and and you know how it is. You know, she had friends and I was like, you know, she, she likes you. And I was like, why? And they go, I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> and I remember that night we, we played uh, that game. We played that game. I don't even remember w- what happened at the game or anything like that. But I remember before I went, I asked Cindy, I said, could I, could I sit by you on the way home? I mean, I was all, I was, this is what I'm gonna do. And I remember mustering up the, the courage to do that. And just instead of just, you know, going some more days without uh asking her out, I, I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask her out. And it made my life great and ruined hers. But it was a decision, it was a decision that has followed and had a ripple effect throughout my whole life. I have four kids now and some six grandkids, because one night in 1984, I said, I am going to ask this girl to sit by me on a school bus on the way home from Forsyth, Missouri. And there are times when we have to make decisions and we just have to to buck up and say, okay, I am going to do this. And I think what keeps us from being the disciples that Christ has called us to be is that we look at what God asks and we just will not say, okay, I'm going to do this. We think it costs too much. We think it's going to be too much effort. And we have to decide, I am going to do this. And many people make a choice. They, they want Jesus in their life, but they don't want to choose to live like Jesus did. They want Jesus around. They want him to be part of their life, but they don't want him to be all of their life. And Jesus calls us to be this all-in person. We talked about it last Sunday. Saul was one who just kind of sat on the edges. Last Sunday night, we talked about there were no giant killers who were serving under Saul. Saul. There were several giants that got killed during the time of David, but they were all people who were following David. If we're going to make disciples, we have to be disciples. We have to be the ones that are in the fight. We have to be the guys that are out there in it. Saul liked to stay on the edge. Now Saul fought some battles, but if you watch it, the main things that Saul was always content to not fight. He was always content to stay on the edge. Goliath's out there yelling and screaming, is there anybody that can come? Saul was like, man, I don't care if we fight him or not. David walks up and goes, who is this guy? And goes up there and kills him. And then the people who were following after David goes and kills his brothers and his cousins and all these guys. Saul is just, he's content not to fight or he's content for someone else to do it. And sometimes at church and in our lives, we're content for someone else to do it. We just don't want to fight. We want to stay safe. We don't want any disruption in our life. We don't want to take any chances in our life. We want to be safe. We want to be healthy. We want to be comfortable. We want to keep what we have, and we don't want to risk losing that for something else. And Saul was perfectly happy to hand the job of fighting over to somebody else. He was perfectly happy in doing that. We see that in the the society that we live in today. We live in a society where parents are perfectly happy to let the school take charge of of, uh, disciplining their children. I'll let the school raise them. And that is not what God has called us to do. We, We are perfectly uh content and bringing our kids to church and saying i'm going to let the church do all of the religious teaching to my children and i'm going to tell you that is not our job that's your job we want to help we want to come alongside you we want to provide everything we can in the time that we have with them but that's your job Folks, you're not supposed to be sitting on the sideline when it comes to your children. You're supposed to be in the fight. You're supposed to be teaching them. It's your job. We need and your children need for you to say, I am going to do this. I'm not going to hand that off to someone else. I'm going to do this. That's what God has called us to do. Don't let someone else do your fighting for you. God never says that being a disciple of Christ is safe He never says it's going to be safe. He never says it's going to be healthy. He never says it's going to be comfortable. He promises us the opposite. The Christian life is not safe. It is not comfortable. It is not easy. And God never promised that it would be. I know you're probably thinking this morning, you're not doing a very good job of selling this. I'm not trying to sell anything. This is the way it is. This is what the Word says that it is. It says there's a choice we make, and we either follow God or we don't. And I'm telling you, it's the best life, but it's not easy. But it's what God has called us to do. And it might be dangerous. Hey, be glad you don't live in an Arab country where you get your head whacked off for coming to church on Sunday morning. You know what? It's dangerous. And there are people all around the world that say, I'm going to follow Christ knowing good and well that if someone rats them out, they're going to die. A few years ago, we had a, a guy from Africa that came and he was talking about the church that he attended. He said it was just a few few people that had like 20 or so people and said every week it got one smaller and one smaller and one smaller because there was one guy in the church who was a Muslim and he was whacking one of them every week. No one said it was going to be easy. No one said it was going to be safe. In fact, Jesus says the opposite. God calls us to this life where it's not safe, but then it's when it's not safe that things start to happen. It's when it's in the in the part that I don't understand and I don't see how this is going to work, but I have to have faith in God. It's in the dangerous part that God does the biggest work. It's in the dangerous part when God starts to move. And I think often we live in a way where we're trying to not lose what we have instead of reaching for what God could give us. I think too often we live and we never ask God to do God things. We're satisfied with what we can do. What if instead of just trying to keep what we had, we tried to go take territory from the enemy? Some of you have loved ones, have children, you have uh, friends and family who are lost, who Satan has taken, and God has called us to go and take them back. God wants us to take territory for him. Jonathan was not content to sit at the borders and say, I'm not going to take anymore, We'll just sit here and be happy. The enemy can have what he can have and we're going to keep what we have and we're not going to take any more. God has told us we're to take territory from the enemy. We're to go out and find folks who are lost. We're to go out and and try to bring them in. We're to go out and, and take away territory from Satan. And I love this. He comes and he says, maybe God will act on my behalf. I've read two or three different, I'm going to say what, see. Jonathan said to his uh What's he say? I'm with you heart and soul. Maybe God will act in our behalf. You ever prayed that prayer? You ever looked at a situation, at something that you face in your life that is too tall to overcome nobody else thinks it can happen. Nobody else thinks this person can get saved. Nobody else thinks that you can overcome whatever this is that you're dealing with in your life, this temptation or habit or whatever it is. Nobody thinks that you can overcome it or whatever. Have you ever come to God and said, all right, I'm all in and I am going to attack this thing and I'm going to see what God will do on my behalf. Maybe God would like to work in this situation. I think sometimes we have situations and we just give up. God couldn't work here. God couldn't change anything here. God's never going to save my neighbor. God's never going to save my son. God's never going to save my daughter. God's never going to do this. And we just sit and we're content when we need to be saying, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to speak and I'm going to act and I'm going to see if God would want to do something in my behalf. And just try and just make a decision and say, I'm all in. I'm going to see what God would do on my behalf. Maybe, just maybe, God still wants to do something in your life. Maybe, just maybe, God wants to do something in your family. Maybe, just maybe, God would like to do something that would spread not only in your family, but in your church and in your community and over into the school and over into the town and over into the streets and over into the houses of those who are lost in our community. Maybe God would like to start something that nobody could look at and say, and everybody would have to look at it and say, just like these guys did, God is moving I think God still wants to do that. But I think the church likes to sit under the pomegranate tree. I think we're afraid that if we move out, that we'll, that we'll lose something that we already have. We're afraid that we're going to lose people or we're going to lose position or lose something. And we're happy to sit under the pomegranate tree. Jo- Jonathan was not happy with the status quo. Jonathan said, surely God would like to act on my behalf. Surely God has more than just this, and this is great, and this is wonderful, and we rejoice in this, and we rejoice in what God's doing, and we're thrilled and and ecstatic about the new things that God's doing in our life, but aren't you, don't you want more? Don't you want to see more people getting saved? Don't you want to see more lives changed? We've had... Just a gob of people being delivered from from all kinds of stuff, and I'm just not satisfied. I'm just not satisfied with what I've seen. I want to see more. Wouldn't you like to see a movement of God move not only in our church but into our town? The reason we don't see God work is because we don't ask Him. We don't need Him. We don't need God. We can make money. We can do worship. We can build a building, we don't need God. We don't see God show up and act on our behalf because we don't get out in a place of faith. We live in the comfort. We stay under the shade of the pomegranate tree, but we won't move out in faith. Jonathan said, I think I'm gonna see, he made a decision one morning. I think I'm gonna see if God would do something in my behalf. I want to see if God would reach into the life of my lost friend or my lost family. I want to see if God would act in my behalf. Who are we that God would act on our behalf? But the word says that he does. He says that when he sees real faith and that someone makes that decision, and says I'm all in and I'm going to see what God would do on my behalf, that God honors that somehow. He wasn't sitting under the pomegranate tree. He went to the fight to take back territory. When's the last time you went to the front lines? When's the last time you talked to someone who was lost? When's the last time that you took a chance on getting your feelings hurt or, or being embarrassed because you spoke to someone's into someone's life? <laughs> In the New Living Translation, the, the little caption before this says, Jonathan's daring plan. In the NIV, it says, Jonathan attacks the Philistines. But in the New Living Translation, it says, Jon, uh, Jonathan's daring plan. I think if we looked at it and were honest, we'd say, John, Jonathan's dumb plan. It's a dumb plan. It doesn't make any sense. Let's go where the enemy is and let them see us. And then when the enemy says, "I'm going to come down to you," we'll stay down here and let him come to us. Or if the enemy says to climb this cliff and come up to him, then we'll do that and we'll know that God is with us. I would have come up with something different. I would have come up with a different sign. He goes, "This will be our sign." If the enemy's, that's what the enemy's going to say. The enemy's like, "Who are you? Come on up here. Class is in session. We're fixing to drop a bomb on you." Or they'll drop a rock on you while you're climbing up the cliff. It's the dumbest, it's the, it's a terrible plan. It's a terrible plan. A better plan would be, okay, God, we're going to go out here. And when they see us, if they fall off the cliff, that will be our sign that they're, but that's not what it was. Climb up the cliff. All they got to do is when they get to the top of the cliff, whack. I mean, they're completely vulnerable. there's no way they're going to make it to the top unless God is in it. And that's where the faith is. And that's what God calls us to, to do things that may not look like they make any sense. And I'm not saying go out and be stupid, but I'm I'm saying go out and say, okay, God, what do you got me to do? And if he tells you to do something and it leaves you completely vulnerable, that's where faith comes in. Because that means I have nothing to do with it. God's going to do it here. And sometimes he asks us to do things that doesn't make sense. But he asks us to go. And too often we are content to just do nothing. A Christ-like disciple does not sit and do nothing. A disciple makes disciples. A disciple goes and wins the lost. That is not super-Christian. That is regular Christian. That's what the disciple does. And in the church, sometimes we think, well, I'll I'll let somebody else do that. Who does that sound like in this story? That sounds like Saul, doesn't it? Saul's under the pomegranate tree. I'll let somebody else go fight. I'll sit here because it's nice here. And I got the priest here, and I got the pomegranate tree. And it's just, I'll let somebody else go do the fighting. God has not called someone else to go do the fighting. God's called you to go do the fighting. God's called me to go do the fighting. We are to be making disciples. And Jonathan said, I'm gonna go see if God will act in my behalf. He didn't ask. He didn't check to see if it was okay. He went out and let God work through him. And we need to do the same. There should be, this should be a place the church should be a place that we encourage you and try to motivate you to go out and see if God will act on your behalf. Jonathan's plan was a terrible plan. It looked hopeless. It didn't look like it would work at all. And we ask the same thing. We, 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 we try to, God, we ask and pray for God to, to send us a sign of whether we're supposed to go out and win people to, the, to Christ and he sends us his word and we say, hey, can we have another sign? Is there something else you can, because he tells us all through our word that we're, all through his word that we're supposed to make disciples. Send me a different sign. Or better yet, just let someone else do it. Because I don't want to. I'll sit under the pomegranate tree. I'll just sit in church and watch everybody else do it. And lots of Christians sit under the shade of the pomegranate tree. They sit with their job. They sit with their family. They sit doing their hobbies. They sit doing their sports activities. And they are so content with these things that they never get in the battle. We get so involved with all the things that we have to do and all the things that we love to do. And I fight this along with you. There are things that I love to do that I have to make a place in my life so that they are not consuming unto me. But we come to the place where we're completely content to let others do the fighting. I'm going to ask you this morning, are you in the fight today at all? I want you to think about this. Are you involved in what God is trying to do? Are you can or are you content to let others do the work? We're talking about being a radical disciple. Disciples make disciples. They take back territory from Satan. They expect and ask God to do something on their behalf. And they ask God to do things that only he can do. And I think sometimes we look at people and say there's no way that God can save them. And I think that's probably just who God wants to save And in a moment, you have to decide, am I going to trust God to work in my behalf? Jonathan climbed up the cliff. They could have pushed him off the top. But what does the word say? The word says as soon as he came up, that the guys just started falling before him. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine? He comes up over, and I'm sure they were all like, when he comes off that cliff, we're going to whack him. And his finger comes up over the top of the cliff. And they can't, they're wanting to whack him, but they can't. And they're wanting to kill him, but they can't. Instead, they just fall over. And the armor bearer comes by. And they're like, what happened? It was a really good plan, and this ain't working out so good. Because God was in it. And God has power and God still has power to move. He moved on the enemy and God still wants to move on the enemy. Don't you think God wants to move on the enemy that's in Marshfield? Move on, put fear of God. And it says here that it put the fear of God in people. It says panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and the field and those in the outpost and the raiding parties and the ground shook. And it was panic that was sent from God. What would happen if, if the, the people started, uh, all of a sudden they, they were no longer using alcohol or, or using drugs or they were no longer having uh, beating their wives or doing things like that? Panic would move throughout the town. All of a sudden the drug dealers have nobody to buy the drugs and they'd start getting panicky. All of a sudden the liquor stores have nobody wanting to buy liquor and they start getting panicky because God has moved. And I think we sit here and think that could never happen. And it will never happen if the church never says, all right, let's take back some territory. We're we're fine with the status quo. And I'm not. I'm not. I want to see something like this. I want to see God moving and Satan being defeated. And I think we think, well, that could never happen here. As long as we think that, you're, you're right. But we need a few disciples. He says, I want to see if God would want to do something on my behalf. I want to see if God would move in Marshfield. We need some students says i want to see if god would move in Marshfield school i want to see if god would do something on my behalf why couldn't that happen i think it could but someone has to say i'm going to live a life in faith no more sitting under the pomegranate tree i'm going to try to be part of what god's doing we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to be part of the fight. We're not going to sit around. We're going to engage in kingdom work. I'm going to start talking to people about Christ, living it in front of them. I'm going to ask you this morning, are you engaged in any kingdom work at all? I'm just being dead honest with you this morning. Are you engaged in any kingdom work or are you satisfied to sit and let others do the fighting. This morning, it's 11.50. And in a few moments, you're going to have a choice. And the choice window is going to be for just a moment. We're going to open up the altars and then that time will come and go. And it's that way with any big decision that you have in your life or whether I'm going to really do this thing or not, And what keeps us from being the disciples that God wants us to be is we just won't do it. We just won't say, I'm going to do this. And this morning, God is talking to somebody here. And once and for all saying, are you going to do this? Or are you just going to sit and watch? I know, I know God's talking to somebody this morning. And maybe it's just one person. It was just one guy here. One guy, And when they saw what was going on, everybody else jumped in and said, hey, I want to be part of that. And maybe this morning you're the one person that if you would jump in, if you would jump in and do what God would have you to do, it would start a ripple effect that others would jump into. I don't know. But I know this morning that God seeks for somebody to say, I'm all in today. I'm not staying around the edges anymore. I'm going to be the disciple Christ has called me to be. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be the mom. I'm going to be the dad that God has called me to be. I'm going to be the father. I'm going to be the husband. I'm going to be the wife. I'm going to be the man at my business that God has called me to be. I'm going to be the woman where I work that God has called me to be. I'm going to do it and I'm going to take back territory for God and I'm going to see if God would do something in my behalf. I'm going to do this And I'm not sitting under the pomegranate tree anymore. I'm in. I'm in. You say, Pastor, what does that look like? I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. God will show you. Nobody, nobody walked up to Jonathan and said, hey, you ought to go try, see if you could take some territory today. Jonathan was so involved in what God wanted him to do that when God spoke, he just did it. That's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like you and God and God speaking and you answering. That's what it is. But at some point, in order to be a disciple, you have to say, I'm in. And I'm going to do it. I want us to stand. Lance, I want you to come today. We're going to open up the altars for just a moment. I remember at Big Decisions there's a time you say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do right now? And I have prayed for days that the Holy Spirit would speak to someone today and I know that he's speaking to someone today. And now is the time. Now's your window. Now's when you make a decision. And there's moments when you make a decision. There's someone here today that I believe that will make a decision that will last their whole life. There's some decisions that last your whole life. 1984, I made a decision. It will last my whole life. I will live with that decision my whole life. I made a decision years ago that I was going to be a pastor, that I would answer God's call in a moment. Me and Sean was talking about it the other day while we was meeting together. And there was a moment, and he said, Brooke remembered it when I was there and I was had my hands on the back of the pew. I remember it. And the Lord said, you speak it now. Speak it right now or you won't do it. And I had a moment. I had just a a moment. It was a little time of testimony at the end of a a service. And it was going to be over. And I said, I I need to say something. It was a moment. It changed my life. Because when I spoke it, it was done. And it was going to happen. Some of you need to come and speak it and say, I'm all in today. No matter what. If the Lord spoke to you, come and pray this morning as we sing.